Sick of you. Death yeah. first. Death <laughs> first. Coop, thank you very much. I am Chris Cuomo, and welcome to primetime. First, happy Hanukkah to my Jewish brothers and sisters. I am Mishpuka. I am your extended family, and I wish you a beautiful start to the Festival of Lights. And the celebration, the remembrance, could not be more indicative of where we are collectively. Once more, there is unholy darkness descending upon the land. Once more, there is a struggle by a tyrant to keep power. Once more, I'm afraid we will need something bigger than ourselves to keep our wicks lit, to burn away darkness in the temple of our democracy. So pray for us, my Jewish brothers and sisters. We need the help now as ever. More than anything, we will need justice. Why? Here's the latest. The full Trump mob has amassed for their final assaults on America. And that is what this is. It's not due process. It's not letting it play out. This is saying we don't like what happened, so it must not stand. This country is nothing without democracy being respected. So this is an attack on America at her core, period. Rogue attorneys general from states that have already certified their votes, signing on to a corrupt cause. Now, joining them, more than half of House Republicans, over 100, now endorsing what they can offer no credible proof about. What else is asking the court to allow you to stop the transfer of power because you don't like how it happened. Not liking it is all they have. They have become retrumplicants. There should be no collective cover for them when this is done. They must all be remembered for this and as this. There is nothing right or righteous. Their actions are the death knell of decency. They do not want unity. They do not want cooperation. They do not want law and order. They want nothing bigger than what they can steal for themselves. They show urgency for a bad cause while ignoring the good fight to help people during a goddamn pandemic. Shame on them. Attacking what is best about us in the name of a man who represents the worst in us. A man who dared to lie in his own brief before the highest court in the land, saying no one has ever won Ohio and Florida and lost. Nixon did in 1960. Then today, the lie is exposed. What does he do? He does his worst. He doubles down on dumb, saying no one has ever won Iowa, Ohio, and Florida and lost. And again, he is wrong. You see, adding more BS to BS does not change the stench. Nixon won Iowa, too. Nixon, the last GOP liar who disgraced this country, a fitting analog to Trump. And now, all you who support his cause are just like him. And while before the Supreme Court, they should not succeed, they can't succeed. Why? How can a court that found nine to zero that you can't come late and say another state doesn't like how a different state chose to run their election? 
How can that same court now give a different ruling when the same thing is argued about multiple states? But even if the outcome is that this election must stand, this assault on us cannot. The effort alone must be unforgivable. They are attacking America at her core, and the timing matters. It is when we are at our weakest. When we need unity the most, they bring disunity, and they know it. It should speak volumes to you that Texas's own solicitor general, the solicitor general is who is supposed to argue before the Supreme Court for a state. The solicitor general in Texas won't put his name on this case. What does that tell you? It is brought by the attorney general who is currently under indictment for fraud as it is. Okay, no senators have filed an amicus brief or signed on to this suit by Texas. Even the senior senator of Texas, John Cornyn, says he's struggling to understand the legal theory behind the lawsuit. Of course he is. There isn't one. And remember, Cornyn used to be the state's attorney general. And Texas, you know, the state that wanted to restrict every county to one ballot drop box a month before the election to suppress turnout. This is the state barking the loudest about fraud. More than 20 other states and Washington, D.C. are standing up for democracy. They are submitting their own amicus brief, deriding this sham, urging the Supreme Court to deny it. But how can we be divided on this? How can it be enough to say that you don't like it and have nothing to show? So here we are. Will the highest court in the land rescue our rectitude once more, as it did during the last plot like this by this party? Will this mass of McCarthy's be turned away in the name of the law as it was during the Red Scare? If not, if the court were to aid this toxic cause, if elections only count if you like the outcome, what becomes of America? And so... While the Trumplicans do their worst during a pandemic, luckily there are those still doing their best to help the common good. Dr. Anthony Fauci will be here on what's next after this critical FDA vote that we've been waiting for. Pfizer's COVID vaccine got the okay tonight from a key panel recommending authorization for emergency use. So now what? When will the FDA finally approve? Then what happens? When will the shot be available to everybody who needs it? And how about all the questions we have about what the shot means? What it means for our future? When? We'll break it all down with Dr. Fauci ahead. But let's start with this legal battle because it could change everything and probably has no matter how it turns out. Better minds. David Gregory, Michael Smirkanish uh, joining me now. Gentlemen, thank you once again. On the legal side, uh, am I right that I looked at the suit And it is basically, we don't just dislike how Pennsylvania did this, but we believe that all the states that matter did things in a way that weren't about the legislature. So we don't like how they ran the election and we want you to overturn it. Michael. So let me put it in practical terms. They say all politics are local. In my extended house, my wife and I have four children and a son-in-law, seven votes. Seven votes all lawfully cast. 
This litigation, Texas, seeks to throw out all seven of our votes. And for what reason? Well, first of all, it's totally at odds with Republican adherence to federalism, this idea of deference to the states, because we allow the states to run all of their elections. So strong is the belief in federalism that the Trump administration has added a Tenth Amendment question to the brand new naturalization exam. But not here. They've thrown that out the window. And based on what logic or illogic, Chris, it's junk science. The argument that they make is that as of 3 a.m. on the morning after the election, that Wednesday a.m., that the likelihood of Joe Biden winning the popular vote was less than one in a quadrillion. Well, that sounds awfully compelling if true, but it assumes that the vote tabulation will continue to be exactly the same. In other words, ignoring what we all knew was coming that so many Democrats were going to vote by mail in contrast to Republicans who were voting in person. Mm -hmm. The answer to your question as to how can they get away with it is because most Americans are working and don't have the time to do what I did all afternoon was to wade through all of these briefs. It's absolute garbage. And the best the president can hope for is that it's dismissed without comment, because if any opinions flow from it, I think they'll be scathing. Mm. Uh David, how do we come back from this? I mean, even listening to Rick Santorum saying, look, I don't like the way they put out these conspiracy theories. But, you know, the party chair down there in Georgia, you know, he's got a good lawsuit. He showed that maybe seven, eight thousand. He hasn't even shown the proof yet. It's in superior court. He won't show the proof to the media. These guys are banking on the division. How do we come back from this? Well, first of all, this old chestnut in Republican circles about voter fraud that they don't have the evidence to back up. And people like uh, Ben Ginsburg who is an election law specialist, who has said that repeatedly, uh, that there's no there there, that there's not fraud here. Um, But this is such a part of uh, the arguments that a lot of Republicans make, and now Trump and his allies have taken it to a more dangerous level. They're trying to use democracy to undermine democracy. And that's the question of where we, how do we come back from that? Because this is someone who does not respect the presidency. This is someone in Donald Trump who came to Providence, prominence politically on the back of a racist lie, saying that Barack Obama wasn't born in this country and is just using another chapter of that here to delegitimize elections. Look, we had a great success in this country during this awful pandemic. We had a very successful election. Record number of people who participated, Republicans, Democrats, pro-Trump, pro-Biden. People showed up. You had Republican um, attorneys general uh, or Republican secretaries of state, like in Georgia, standing up for their results uh, and certifying that vote with all this pressure. I think we come back from it because I think this this is a marginalized group. That includes the president. People are not paying attention. And unfortunately, there aren't enough Republican leaders to say this must stop because it does potential damage to those people who choose. Not enough. And it is a choice to believe it. I'd take one of consequence. Michael, I mean, is it any mystery why in March everybody was able to come together and put together an act to help with relief? And now they can't. Uh, And now the number keeps dropping. And now McConnell wants to walk away. I mean, is it any secret why? They've obviously put something above the pandemic in terms of their priority. Look, this is something that a lot of folks are going to be shaken to hear, but Donald Trump is good for Republican business. I mean, 
many of us need to get out of our bubble and look at what's going on here. You wonder why would more than half of Republicans in the House sign an amicus brief that's based on the junk science that I've referred to? And the answer is because they picked up seats in the House, arguably held on to the Senate, won the Montana gubernatorial mansion, controlled state legislatures, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So they actually had a very good election. The only thing they couldn't do was get Donald Trump over the finish line. And so I think, Chris, it's, it's selfishness that's keeping them tethered to him because they're afraid to cross him. Mm. Gentlemen, thank you. Thank you for the better minds. Thank you for helping the audience understand just where we are. We are living history together. Now, one of the reasons this matters is with this kind of impasse, how are we going to get the money to make sure that the vaccine is distributed right? We're just at the beginning of the spending for that. That's part of this bill that they now say that they don't want to deal with anymore. Now, the good news is we just took a major step closer to a potential pandemic exit ramp. Why? Pfizer's coronavirus vaccine has been recommended for authorization by an FDA panel. So are we done? No. Why not? I've got the guy to answer the questions. Dr. Anthony Fauci is going to talk with us about where things stand, where we need to be, what are the bumps, and what does it mean for how life looks going forward. Next. We're getting closer. That's the good news. Pfizer's COVID vaccine took another step. There was a long day of deliberation, and a key panel this evening recommended that the FDA grant the so-called EUA, the Emergency Use Authorization. The FDA now has to decide whether to take that recommendation, but even if it does, then the CDC will have to give the final sign-off on Sunday. Anticipation is high. COVID cases and deaths are higher. The vaccine is not the end. It is not a cure. In fact, if you're sick, you probably shouldn't take it but you're going to be able to ask a doctor that in just a moment. We are at the potential beginning of the end. Let's discuss what is and what may be with the man, Dr. Anthony Fauci. Welcome back, sir. Good to be with you, Chris. Uh, Two state of play questions. First, why so much alphabet soup? Why FDA to CDC and then CDC back to FDA, but then you got to wait for the... Why so much alphabet soup? Why couldn't this have been streamlined? No, it's really important, Chris, the fact that the FDA's advisory committee, the Vaccine and Related Biological Products Advisory Committee, or VRPAC, the one that met today and voted to recommend to the FDA to grant an EUA, that's really important, Chris, because what it shows is that the process that we have here in the United States is decisions and recommendations are made by independent bodies. Just the way the Data and Safety Monitoring Board looked at the data a while ago and said it looks good, let's examine the data and see if we can get an EUA. The advisory committee to the FDA now has made that recommendation. The reason I think this is so important is that we want to make sure that we impress the American public that decisions that involve their health and safety are made outside of the realm of politics, outside Mm. of the realm of self-aggrandizement, and are made, in in essence, by independent groups. So it was a very important step this evening, late, you know, around five o'clock or so, when the decision was made. Now the FDA will take under consideration that recommendation and will very likely act on it quite soon. Okay. Uh, And look, you know, you're now at about 60-30 
of people in favor of taking the virus, which is an improvement over what it had been. The more information comes out, frankly, the less Trump seems to have to do with it, uh, the better it may be get. But of course, this has to be about science, not sentiment. Now, uh, why are things so bad right now? Well, it's, it's a conflation of things, Chris, that you and I have spoken about in the past. We have a very high baseline of infections, over 200,000 a day. We now reached 3,000 deaths yesterday. We have over 100,000 hospitalizations. The baseline was bad to begin with. When I say baseline, I mean the community spread of a certain number of infections per day. You superimpose upon that the colder weather, which drives people indoors and those who don't wear masks and don't pay attention to what we say about not congregating indoors without masks, that adds to the problem. We've just gotten past a week and a half ago the Thanksgiving holiday. Sometime in this coming week, we will likely see the full brunt of what happens when you travel and congregate in seemingly innocent settings like dinners and gatherings so this with is family on us. and friends. If that, there, well, it, it is on us in, in so many respects, Chris. And then we're gonna be entering into the Christmas holiday where the same sort of travel and the same sort of congregating, again, innocent things like with family and friends. So we expect that we likely will see yet again another surge upon a surge. So the months of December and January are going to be very challenging for us unless we realize that, as I've said so many times, Chris, there are things we can do about it. If we have uniform adherence to the public health measures of universal wearing of masks, avoiding congregate settings, keeping distance, doing things to the extent possible, sometimes it's difficult with the weather, do it outdoors versus indoors, and wash your hands frequently. If we just did those things, that we would certainly have an impact on the trajectory, if you look at the curve, is really quite disturbing. At this point, though, you got to believe it's not going to happen. Uh, so really, it comes down to the vaccine. I mean, you got, you know, you're not a politician, but you got a bunch of states lining up to nullify an election. Uh, and wearing a mask has become uh, the act of omission of wearing a MAGA hat. You know, you wear a MAGA hat, you're for Trump. You don't wear a mask, you're for Trump. It's been politicized. I don't know that we get to a better place. So the vaccine then has even more pressure on it. What do you see as the concerns about distribution of this vaccine? Uh, context. I'm worried about states picking winners and losers, that they don't get enough doses, they don't get enough money, so they have to make choices, and that they'll choose hospitals in affluent areas, that they'll choose white uh, emergency workers over black ones, that they won't help the poor groups who are already disproportionately affected. They'll be picking winners and losers. That usually doesn't go well for people who already hard hit. What's your concern? Well, you know, I I hope, uh, Chris, that we don't see that happen. You know, the the distribution from the places where the vaccines have been filled and finished and put into the vial to the local places, that's going to take place through, as I mentioned previously on the show, through the United States Army under General Gus Perna to get the material to the local places. Once it gets locally to the state and city and local areas, It's going to be up to the local health officials to make the determination of how it's distributed. Now, there are recommendations that will come from the CDC through their advisory committee on immunization practices that will say these are the individuals who should have the first shot at the first priority. That's the 1A group. 
that almost certainly will be healthcare providers and those, for example, in nursing homes. The next level will be individuals that are much, well, let's say, people with essential jobs. And then there'll be people who are elderly and people with underlying right. conditions. And you go through the priority. We hope that that's followed in an equitable way, in a way that, as you said, is not favoring one group versus the other. Well, we'll see. That's part of our job to watch it. I got a short answer section for you here. All right. Just some questions that keep coming up. Okay. Um, Why do I have to keep wearing the mask after I get the vaccine? I thought it was going to protect me from the vaccine. Uh, What's the answer? Well, the answer is unless you get the overwhelming majority of the country vaccinated and protected and get that umbrella of what we call herd immunity, there's still a lot of virus out there. So just because you're protected, so-called protected by the vaccine, you should need to remember that you could be prevented from getting clinical disease and still have the virus that is in your nasopharynx because you could get infected. We're not sure at this point that the vaccine protects you against getting infected. We know for sure it's very, very good, 94, 95% in protecting you against clinically recognizable disease and almost 100% in protecting you for severe disease. But until you have virus that is so low in society, we as a nation need to continue to wear the mask, to keep the physical distance, to avoid crowds. We're not through with this just because we're starting a vaccine program. Even though you as an individual might have gotten vaccinated, it is not over by any means. We still have a long way to go and we've got to get as many people as possible vaccinated of all groups. What does that take? When are we fully vaccinated? Well, the projection that I've made, and and I hope it works this way, it's going to depend upon the people's willingness to come up and step up to the plate and get vaccinated. If you go now through December, January, February, March, you likely will have the people who fall into the high priority groups get vaccinated. When, let's say, you get into April, I would project by the time you get to April, it will be, I guess you want to call it open season in the sense of anyone, even the non-high priority groups could get vaccinated. If we get the vaccine doses coming in at the projected rate that we had hoped they will, and I believe it will, as we get into April, May and June, you'll get more and more of the population. If 75 or more percent of the population decides they want to get vaccinated, I would hope by the time we get to the end of the second quarter into the summer that we will have enough people vaccinated that by the time we get to the fall in the third quarter of the year, that we will have that veil of protective herd immunity will my Bella, that would really essentially protect all the vulnerable. Will my Bella Excuse be able me? to start college as a freshman in the fall? You know, I hope so, Chris. I mean, I I, I hope so. I mean, one of the things we want to do, and we've said it before, is to get the children to get back in school. Um, We're talking about K to 12, as well as obviously the college, but to not only get them back, but to keep them in school. That's the default position that we should try. We're we're with you. I mean, I I thought it was surprising, um, uh, Tony, not to cut you off, but uh, I thought it was surprising that Biden put it out as one of his big three plans Uh, But obviously, that's all about how everybody wants kids in school. I know the data now is starting to get a little scary because there's more exposure in schools than we thought, especially when you get up in age. And they're still not testing smart there because they don't have enough tests to test smart. 
Um, but it all comes down to how, because if you don't do it right, are we going to have graduations next May, June? You know, I don't know about this time, this, this cycle as we go into the spring. It's really going to depend, again, Chris, I, I, I don't want to keep repeating myself, but it's the truth. It depends how quickly and how many people want to get vaccinated. If we have a smooth vaccination program where everybody steps to the plate quickly, we could get back to some form of normality reasonably quickly into the summer and certainly into the fall. My hope and my projection is that if we get people vaccinated en masse so that we get that large percentage of the population, as we get into the fall, we can get real comfort about people being in school, safe in school, be they K to 12 or college. That's what I hope and project we would do if we get everybody vaccinated. Dr. Anthony Fauci, I know you had a very long day. It's late now. Thank you for once again giving me your time and my audience your time at this hour in this moment. Thank you, sir. Good to be with you, Chris. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. Now, Dr. Fauci just said to you he believes the supply will be there. Okay, but there's an if on that that he doesn't control. Will Congress put the money where it needs to be to get the doses that we need made so it can be distributed to the states? Will they give states the relief that they need so that they can handle the distribution? It will not be all military. States will be involved. Congress must be involved. That's why we invited Congressman Maxine Waters on tonight. She says this fight, this struggle is real in this country and it is not being respected in Congress. And she is worried probably even more tonight after what happened with all of her colleagues signing up for this corrupt battle in court. Maxine Waters answers next. Dark times. People need help, and it seems less likely it's going to come. Let's bring in Democratic Representative Maxine Waters from California. Uh, Congresswoman, as always, a pleasure. Thank you for being with us. I'm delighted to be with you. Thank you for having me on this evening. Uh, Am I right to have this tone of urgency that it looks less likely that something's going to get done after today? Uh, You should be very, very concerned. I'm very concerned. I'm reduced to the point of pleading Uh, not only with my colleagues, but with the American public uh, to plead uh, with the members of Congress uh, to get something done uh, to make sure uh, that, you know, the negotiations end uh, with the people of this country being taken care of as they expect their government to do. People are hurting out there. People are in in lines begging for food, uh, you know, looking for food for each meal for their children. And the renters are absolutely terrified that they're going to be evicted. And so we have the unemployed, uh, we have the renters, we have families that uh, are, you know, food insecure, and we are basically fiddling while Rome is burning. And the members of Congress have got to get over this. We've got to conclude uh, with a stimulus for the American people. And tonight I'm begging 
I'm begging the members of Congress to get it done. I'm begging McConnell to get off of holding up everything. I'm begging uh, the problem solvers to come in with the right amount. And I'm saying to the, my Democrats, you have done a good job on making concessions. You have compromised. Stick with it and work with everybody. And let's get the money out. Let's get the stimulus checks out. Let's take care of the American people. We're desperate. I'm desperate. Maxine, what changed? In March, 2.2 trillion, everybody came together, got it done. Now the pandemic is worse, the need is greater, and the line is uh, less than half that amount, and a chunk of that less than half the amount is from the money that wasn't spent the first time, and no checks for people. What changed? Well, you know, I don't know everything that changed, but I know one thing. The president of the United States has absolutely ignored this. He's focused on himself and all of the lies that he's telling about the fact that he has won this election. He doesn't care. He doesn't offer any leadership. And he's left Mnuchin there uh, to negotiate. And McConnell has absolutely, you know, absolutely been obstructionist in all of this. And so, you know, whether we're blaming, you know, uh, you know, the president or we're blaming McConnell or we're blaming the problem solvers, they've got to get together and get this done. And we cannot leave this session of Congress, this lame duck session that we're in without getting it done. The American people are desperate and they're depending on us. How can you expect these guys to make a deal when the hundred of them signed up today to overturn the election? It's absolutely disgusting and disappointing uh, that they don't have any guts, that they fear the president of the United States, and they all want the president to think that they've got his back. And so they've signed this amicus uh, for this case to go before the Supreme Court, and they know that the Supreme Court is not going to uh, entertain this at all. They're not going to, they're going to tell them uh, that they're not uh, going to even, you know, listen to arguments about it because they are not uh, a Supreme Court uh, as mandated by the Constitution to overturn elections in all of these states. And so I don't know. The president is raising a lot of money. He's got, I think he's up to about $200 million now. And I suppose all of this money is designed to be used to continue to control the Republican Party. The Republican Party is in disarray. It's no longer a Republican Party. And he owns it. He's taken over it. They're afraid of him. They're doing whatever he wants to do. But the American people must not allow this to happen. Their voices have got to be whole, hell, uh, heard. rather. They've got to use social media all of the platforms of social media to persuade the members of Congress to get this done, to get a stimulus package out uh, to have saved the American public. Uh, you heard what is going on, how many cases of, uh, you know, the virus have been, you know, uh, uh, infected, how many people are being infected ever. every day. And so um, we're in a terrible position and I, uh, I want the public to weigh in on it. And I and many others uh, in Congress, some on both sides of the aisle, uh, mostly on the Democratic side, uh, that are doing everything that we can to encourage uh, the negotiations uh, to go on and people to negotiate in good faith and uh, not follow McConnell for sure, uh, because he, one man, 
on the Senate side, absolutely leading the opposition, the obstructionist who is absolutely interfering with the ability for this to be concluded. And it's all based on liability. He doesn't want anybody to have any liability uh, responsibility. What is your argument uh, against McConnell's position that you need to do liability for employers now, otherwise they'll be taken down by people suing them for getting sick on the job? Well, I think that there can be some uh, concessions made, uh, but not totally. Uh, and that's what needs to be worked out, where you can limit or reduce liability and where you have to have it. And that's what I expect them to do. And so it is not, uh, uh, you know, one way or the other, either no liability or, you know, all liability. And that's what has to be worked out. You cannot simply say that there can be absolutely no liability. I've uh, watched you do the job for a long time. I've never seen you like this. I've seen you passionate, but I've never seen you well, this worried. Why? Well, I'm, yeah, I'm absolutely worried. Uh, I can't sleep. Uh, I'm watching, you know, the millions of people. I think there are about, what, 20 million people who have not been able to pay their rent since August. And there's about $25 billion in back pay uh, to these landlords uh, that will rise to about $70 billion by the end of the year. And I'm worried uh, that, you know, in all of these negotiations, they're talking about uh, extending the moratorium on evictions, uh, but they're not talking about what happens at the end of the year uh, when there's no longer a moratorium and the landlords are left without any money and the fact that evictions are going to take place. Even the $25 billion that now is in this part of uh, you know, the uh, the bill that is being negotiated mm -hmm. certainly is not enough no. in the uh, it, it really should be about one hundred billion dollars. Uh, but even if it's twenty five billion dollars and the moratorium uh, does not last beyond uh, the end of the year, that twenty five billion dollars is not going to go very far. Right. And we won't be able to get it out to the people until probably February or March. Another so aspect. What are we Another aspect of the relief bill. First of all, I want you to know you're welcome on this show to make the case from now through the finish. We're not going anywhere either. Um, we're going to be covering this all the way through and you're welcome on. But, you know, something else to remind people of in terms of why they should be watching this is even if you're not in a bad way, you want the vaccine. You need this bill. The money for the distribution for the vaccine and the production to get where we need it is in this bill. So we need it to get Absolutely. done. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was looking over that this evening, and I think they've put about $6 billion in there right. uh, to, to deal with the vaccines, yes. So I hope it happens. We need it to happen. We'll stay on it. And you have a platform when you want it. Congresswoman Maxine Waters, thank you. Thank you, and thank you for your passion. You've been doing a great job on this, and that's why I'm so pleased to be here with you tonight. Thank you very much. You're always invited. Best to the family. We'll do our job. You do yours. Take care. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. We've got to stay on things that matter. And how government is working through this pandemic has got to be in sharp focus because there's a lot of bullying and bad stuff going on. And we have new video of the raid on that COVID data scientist home in Florida. We show you what she shot herself in the moment. Now we got the video of the other side, but it doesn't tell that different a story. Rebecca Jones says she was fired for not fudging numbers on the pandemic. Now there's all this reporting that there was pressure to fudge. And now the more she talks, the more heat she's getting. So Rebecca Jones is back to take us through what she lived through there. And we're hearing more from the authorities as well. The latest next.
Florida police say they've been, quote, vilified for their raid on the home of a former state COVID data scientist. They're putting out some, but not all, of the body cam footage of that raid. When you watch this, keep a few things in mind. Rebecca Jones has not been charged with any crime. According to an affidavit, authorities suspect she transmitted a message on a private Department of Health messaging system, something she denies, and the legitimacy of it being private, meaning no one from the public could access it, is also in dispute. The body cam footage begins with officers ringing the doorbell and knocking on her door. The officer even mentions it doesn't look like anyone's home. Take a listen. I don't see any sign that someone's here. About eight minutes go by. An officer calls Jones. She appears to hang up on him. Answer. And I said, hey, this is so-and-so. Is anybody at your residence? We're trying to make contact with somebody. And I heard a little kid that's like a baby, and then she hung up. So they knew there were kids there. Remember, keep that in mind based on how they did enter eventually. 20 minutes after knocking, the officer holding a sledgehammer, begins discussing forcing their way in. I can't say they didn't know. I'll make sure they don't block you. Police, search warrant, open the door. Police, search warrant, open the door. Now, it's interesting. You heard the officer there say, police, search warrant, open the door. They didn't say that the first time. That's something we're going to want to discuss. But at this point, Jones comes to the door and one officer is seen pulling out his weapon. Keep in mind, we don't see body cam footage from the officer who pulled his weapon or when he entered the home with the gun out. We're told what we're seeing is all the Florida Department of Law Enforcement has. Keep watching. Open the door. Open the door. Open the door, ma'am. Who else is in the house, ma'am? My two children and my husband. Where's your husband? Calm down. Calm down. You want the children down? Calm them all down. You want me to do that? Calm down the stairs. Excuse me, kid. Come over here. Police, come down now. Do not point that gun at my children. Rebecca. He just pointed a gun at my children. Search warrant. The husband, the children come downstairs. The officer puts the blame on Jones for the escalation. You're making all the wrong decisions. You understand what I'm telling you? I spoke to you on the phone. I told you who I was, and you needed to come to the door. You looked out the window, you see I'm going to explain everything to you about why we're here, but right now we're off to a pretty rocky start. All you had to do was answer the door. There was no doubt who we were. Yeah, we don't. Okay. We were told we didn't have to answer the door for you. That's what our lawyer told us, not okay. to answer the door. Okay. Who, just now, your lawyer told you don't answer the door. No, the last time that you guys came. We again reached out to Governor Ron DeSantis. The FDLE is overseen by him directly. The idea that his office didn't know this was happening sounds a little too Trumpy to believe. He again declined to defend his own forces. Rebecca Jones is back exclusively with us tonight. What is your reaction to seeing the tape? 
It certainly didn't help them, but I'm glad that people are finally seeing, even from the police perspective, how outrageous everything was. Now, they say, no, no, it's on you, Rebecca. You knew we were there. You didn't answer. You took too long. This is what happens. Fair? No. They called me and, as the officer mentioned, said to they needed to make contact and want to know if anybody was home. Um, I hung up the phone. I got dressed. I was down in less than six minutes after that phone call. Um, as far as I am understanding, unless there's a warrant, you don't need to open your door or talk to the police. And he did not say that in that phone call. As soon as they banged on the door and said, police search warrant, open the door, I was down and I opened the door. Now, it's interesting what you say about the warrant. So when he called you on the phone, he didn't say he had a warrant. No. And it's actually previous at an earlier point in the tape that they released where he describes that phone call saying, hey, I'm at your front door. Is anybody home? We need to make contact. So you didn't hear about a warrant then. And then later in the tape, there is also something that made you suspicious about the color of authority of their ability to be there uh, regarding a warrant. What did you hear on the tape? On the tape, but I think about the six minute, 30 second mark. One of the officers asked the lead investigator if they were ready to go, if they had a warrant, and he responds, no, not yet. So you're saying even if you did delay, it doesn't matter because they didn't have the warrant anyway, so he shouldn't be putting it on you. Yeah, the first I heard of warrant was when they were banging on the door, and that's when I came to open the door. I warned them they were children inside. They knew there were children inside because of hearing my daughter in the background on the phone call that was six minutes before I was down. And obviously what was most upsetting to you is that when the officers entered, one had a weapon drawn and on the tape we can't see, but where did he go with that weapon drawn? Um, That's where you can see the video that I've already posted. Two officers went in, um, one pulled out his gun after I said my kids were upstairs. The other one was the one who was pointing it at me when I opened the door. And they went around to the stairway and were pointing them up the stairs at my husband and my two kids. Do you have more video to help clarify anything that happened? I think it's pretty clear. I do have the full video. I never release it because the next step in that is my children walking, coming down the stairs with my husband. And I didn't want their faces plastered all over the news, which has now happened. Nobody should show their faces. They're minors and they're not involved in the situation. Uh, That's pretty straight protocol, but I understand your sensitivity. What do you understand about where this stands as an investigation? I, I, nowhere. It went nowhere. Nothing's happened with it. There are no charges. Um, I've made my warning clear to the people who have been communicating with me from state agencies that they're at risk because they have my phone now. And We haven't heard anything else back. Has anyone that you've talked to said they've been contacted? Uh, One person, yes. So you think they're using your phone to go through your contacts? I I think they're trying to flush out people that they view as being disloyal within state agencies. And you put out a document that you said shows that they can't even know who would have put out that message because it's not all private. Explain. Explain. So I actually found out about this through a news article. Apparently, the Department of Health has seven different PDFs that are publicly accessible through their public website that have both the username and the password to the account that they said sent these messages. So it is a public, available and accessible account. And you stand by your earlier 
uh, statement to us that you did not put that message out. You had nothing to do with that. Correct. Uh, and you haven't been told when you can get your equipment back so you can continue to put out what the numbers are of cases in the state. I've already replaced my equipment and I started updating yesterday. Rebecca Jones, thank you very much. I know this is not a comfortable situation for you and your family, especially with the young kids. Uh, but I told you we'd stay on it till the end and we will do that. Thank you, Chris. All right. Be safe and thank you. Best to the kids. We'll be right back. Thank you. Thank you for watching. Time for the big show, CNN Tonight with the big star, D. Lemon. How are you feeling about our democracy? Um, uh, I'm in a wait and see mode, brother. Mm. I've never seen anything like this before. And uh, when you haven't seen anything like it before, you've got to be at best cautiously optimistic. I know the law on it. I understand this suit is a little different. Uh, than the Pennsylvania one, but the principles remain the same. And reading through the briefs, there's a lot of nonsense in there, but (laughs) that's the scary part. They know it's nonsense, and yet 100 members of the Retrumplican Party sign on to this. Mm -hmm. States sign on. Mm -hmm. Um, And what does that mean in terms of wanting to do any kind of deal with the other side? If you are going to be this dug in. They don't want it. But then what does that mean for getting money to have the vaccine produced? Uh, they, they don't want it. They would rather division. They'd rather have their way. It, that, this is the ultimate um, act of entitlement, that, the, that you can tell other people, other states, how they should conduct their elections. We don't like what you did. We don't like what the will of your citizens are, what they, what they decided to do. So we are going to change it. That's what entitlement is. When people think that their way is the highway, they're used to being the preeminent voice, and they want to push that on to other people. That's what entitlement is. And that's what this whole last gasp of these folks who are there. They don't believe in free and fair elections. That's a lie. They don't believe in decency, as they have been saying. That's a lie. Um, they're, they're, they're not the party of uh, the moral party or whatever they not call about states family values and states rights it's all a lie this, it's not about what evangelicals say it's about you know do unto others or christianity and, and all of those things that they claim to believe in because it's all been proven to be bs for the past five years they put up with a president who paid off a porn star someone who um, at, at, at any time he, he he gets an opportunity to poke his finger in the eye of democracy, to undermine the republic and the democracy in this country. He does it, and you stand by him. You are complete hypocrites. What you say you stood for is all a bunch of lies. It is bull. And so there's no recourse. Don't tell anybody. Don't tell me how to live my life. Don't tell me how to clean up my house until you clean up yours, until you get the speck out of your own eye, don't tell me about mine. And I that's just don't know exactly where we go doing. from here. I, uh, even if it fails, which it should, I mean. I heard you making a point, even if it does earlier. You're right. Even if it fails, the damage is done in, in a large part. But I would rather see it. Uh, I, w- I would rather see it fail because I think well, that. If it doesn't fail, Don. You and I are going to be very busy uh, for a while. Or either on an island. <laughs> I mean, we got no, big I'm not, yeah, problems. I'm not, I would never run away from this. I and don't know we, how a democracy survives a nullified election of this scale. Um, I don't think the election will be nullified. 
I, Me either. But yeah. I'm saying that's why you say, you know, you uh, it can't succeed. It cannot succeed. But think about think about all of the people who you have in your program. And you know how I always tell you, like, Chris, why are you giving that person a platform? And, you know, we talk about those things and that's. But think about all the people you think are seemingly logical in some way and, and sane at some level. And then they sign off on this and then you go, where's your credibility? You're, you're crazy. This is absolute craziness. And when people talk about um, entitlement and privilege, this is what they're talking about. Now imagine if you, did this, if you lost out to something. You said, no, no, no. It was all rigged. And I'm going to turn it over. And I'm, I'm going to use the courts to turn it over. And I'm going to raise money off of it. And I'm going to continue to lie to the people who support me. What do you think would happen to you? What, what do you think people me? would do to you? I don't have any followers. You know, I would either be ignored <laughs> or fired. You know, the thing yeah. with Trump is, you know, he's good for them. He helps them. He, they need who likes him. And that's why what we're seeing here, it's they, not just wait, like, they need what they need the people who like Trump. They can't go against Trump. They will lose that base. It's not to Ooh, what, but, but Donald what scares me. I need his people. All right. Right. Stop right there. What does that say about what they've done then? What do they say about how they've radicalized those people? What did they say? What does that say about how they've lied to those people? Because if they need people who they have uh, lied to and who are actually are not operating in facts, in reality right now, what does that say about those people and what does that say about them? That's where we need to get to because unless you admit the problem, the issue, what you've done, then how can we go any further? Unless you come to some realization about what is the truth. When someone stands up and says, my name is Don Lemon and I am a whatever, whatever it is, when you go to AA or whatever it is, right? You cannot deal with the problem unless you admit that there is one. And they are not admitting that there's one. The people, the politicians know. They know. But they're not being honest with the people. And they can't be honest with the people because it puts them in a conundrum of being exposed. I just think that, as I've often said, what we have here is fragile. A failure to communicate. No. No, there's been too much communicating. Um, this is very fragile. Nobody else is trying what we're doing here. Yeah. And there's a reason. And it can break. And when you're the webbing. Excuse me for this. Is a mutual respect of. Yeah. Uh, were you tearing up? <clears throat> no, when, no. Just when the home. webbing is a mutual respect for the laws, that's our national religion. That's all we have. Yeah. When that's gone. I don't I don't know what's next. I mean, you could have a commission after this that looks at it. And I guess you could take a poll of who who's are gonna, the, who's 10 the 10 people you believe most. But it's like anybody who sits on it, if they say something someone doesn't like, they're going to just, well, that guy's a Trumper or, you know, which should be completely disqualifying in my, if you back this guy yeah. in this effort, when you know there's no proof and there's no proof, here's, I, I, I mean, I don't know how here's that person what we have gets to do. Here's what we have to do. I think that we are complicit as well, because what we have been doing, and I, I'm including myself in this, um, either wittingly or unwittingly, is giving false equivalents to both sides. Both sides play politics. That's what it is. It's politics. Okay? Democrats are pretty bad at politics, I believe. Democrats do some things that are not great. But for the past year, couple of years and even decades, there, there's been a large swath of the Republican Party 
that has not been operating in reality, that has not been told what is the truth, that has not lived up, uh, come to a realization about the history of this country. And those folks need to come into reality. It's not both sides. We can't do the both sides-ism on this. And I know people are going to be mad at me and I'm going to get a lot of flack, but it's true. John Harwood said it on my show last night. There's one side that basically operates in reality, does dumb things, plays politics as usual. There's another side that has not been playing in reality, especially for the past five years. There's another, the other side who believes that the president, the former president, was not born uh, in this country, who believes that Barack Obama was wiretapping, who believes what um, Bill Barr said, how, how, he, how he framed the Mueller report, who believes that Russians did not interfere in the election. There is a, a whole side to this in this country, a whole group of people who are not operating in reality and thinks that both sides are equal. It is not. And we in the media have to stop pretending that because we don't want to seem partisan. That's not partisan. That's operating in reality and truth. And that is what we must do as journalists. One side right now, and it is on steroids showing us you're not operating in reality. Donald Trump lost the election. There's no widespread voter fraud. That is not partisan. That's the truth. The other side is saying there's no voter for widespread voter fraud. Donald Trump lost the election. Joe Biden won. That side is operating in reality because that's exactly what's happened in this country. So we have to stop pretending and giving both sides equivalents. It's not it's not both sides here. We have to call out the side that's that's not operating in reality. That's how I feel. And that's the only way you're going to correct it. So some people are going to come along. I believe that there are people out there who are in the, that squishy middle that, that people talk about who want to be educated, who want to live in reality. And then there's a, a large swath of people who fall victim to cultism and non-truths become susceptible to that. And they live in that world and they will probably never be changed. And they are unreachable. I'm sorry, but that is the truth. And we have to stop saying every single time, how do we get those people? How do we get those people? How do we get those people? Because if we keep asking how we get those people, and keep, then we forget about the people that we're actually supposed to be serving and the ones who want to listen to us and the ones who are operating in reality. And guess what that does? If we keep trying to reach out to people who are not there, that makes us one of them. If you keep doing the same thing over and over and over, what does that make you? What does that Insane. say? Insane. Okay. I got to run. Amen. I love you, Don Lemon. <laughs> Preach. I love, you too. <laughs> I love you too. I'll see you soon. Quality sleep is essential. And that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, host of the Chasing Life podcast. In honor of our 10th season, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message at 470-396-0832 and tell us how you chase life. It could be used on an upcoming episode.